0: Talking about the promises of God, promises that once you know them and once you claim them, they can truly be, be life changing for you. So I want to welcome you again today. Uh, again, I'll introduce myself. My name is Dion, and I'm so glad to be here with you today to share with you this promise. Now, uh, I hope you've had a good weekend here in St. Louis. I know it's, it's gotten warmer. We've had some better weather. Uh, hopefully, you've had some pleasant mornings. Um, I want to take you back to a week ago, though, last weekend, Saturday morning. If you were waking up in Hawaii, you woke up to a pretty scary moment. Some of you have heard about this. I think a lot of us have. Uh, It's being called 38 Minutes of Terror um, because Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, uh, in Hawaii, there was a text notification that was pushed through to people's phones and through different broadcasting channels, warning of an incoming ballistic missile headed for the island, telling people to take cover and telling people, this is not a drill, and it wasn't a drill, it was a mistake. Some guy pushed the wrong button. Now I don't know how you can make that kind of mistake and I don't know why there is such a button that's so easy to push, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and yet there were people who were just terrified for 38 minutes thinking that North Korea had launched a nuclear uh, a ballist, inter, uh, whatever, ballistic missile and uh, what's the word, I don't know. But uh, they thought they were gonna die, that's the bottom line. And, uh, and people were terrified. And what's so interesting is to see what people did in those 38 minutes. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised to know that a bunch of people called loved ones where they text, texted loved ones. There are all kinds of text messages that are uh, floating out there online. You can just look at the messages people were sending to their loved ones because they thought this might be the end. Other people got into survival mode and there are stories of families putting their children down in storm sewers and then themselves climbing into storm sewers to use as uh, just kind of impromptu fallout bunkers. Um, Marcy, who was up here singing, she's sitting back over there somewhere. Uh, Marcy uh, Crosby and her husband Joe, they were actually vacationing in Hawaii last week. And they got that text notification, or they—everyone at the hotel was freaking out, and so they went to the—they went to the fallout shelter, the the shelter-in-place, whatever the thing is—and uh, they, they were there, and they said they waited there about 10 minutes, but Joe had a tea time. And you know how golfers are, especially when you're golfing in Hawaii. It's like, well, if we're going to go, we might as well go on the golf course around the way there. There's no sense going here. And so they went, they went, uh, they, they left um, and they, they headed off that way. Uh, I heard uh, at least read one, at least one story of a couple who they got the notification. They heard the, the thing and, and they said, well, let's go for a walk on the beach. I said if this is gonna be the end for us, let's spend it um, taking in some beauty. Now, I've never been one who's convinced that you should live like you're dying. I don't care how charming Tim McGraw is when he sings that song. It just, it's never really set right with me because, because that's, that's no way to build a life as if every moment is your last moment. You, you've got to think about a future. You've got to plan for a future. And yet I will agree that, that I think a lot of us live with a warped perspective on life a lot of the time. With our priorities all out of whack. And every once in a while, you, you catch a glimpse of a life, a way of life that seems truer, that seems richer. Uh, maybe it requires, you know, 38 minutes of terror where you think this is going to be in, and suddenly you, you begin to see life differently. You begin to see life in such a way that, that is so much more vivid and colorful and bright and, as I said, richer, and you begin to wonder, why, why couldn't I see it this way before? Why did it take something drastic, uh, 38 minutes of terror, or some other near-miss in life, some other close call for me to see it? This way, uh, you know what? I think it's kind of like I think it's kind of like this. Um, give me just a second here. I think it's kind of like this. I'm gonna get this tape off. Just bear with me. Be patient. Here we go. Um, I think it's kind of like this. You all know what this is? Yeah, it's a game piece to the best game ever, Trivial Pursuit. My wife would disagree with me on that, um, but I, I, I love this game Trivial Pursuit. And you know what? I think this is, this is kind of like life sometimes. Uh, we start off with a life and we go out living and, and basically our, our goal is to try to fill our life with meaningful things. And so uh, we find different things of value or meaning, things that we, um, you know, we appreciate and we begin to fill our life with all of these various different things piece by piece we begin to build a life, fill a life, um, and, and, you know, we even talked about this two years ago, this time of year, we did a series called It Is Well, and we talked about six aspects of a whole life, a life that God wants for us, and, and what it looks like to begin to build a life this way. And, uh, and so this is what we kind of do. We, we begin to fill a life of all these different things, all these different aspects, uh, in the series, we talked about spirituality and relationships and money and your purpose and your, your, uh, your mind, your, your emotional health, and then also your physical health. Um, and, uh, and, and that's kind of you know what makes a life. We, we begin to build a life that is diverse, that is balanced, that is rich, that is full. And this is kind of the point of life, to build a life like this. And yet, few of us actually build a life that looks like this. Instead, we do something, something kind of different. Uh, see, I think for most of us, uh, we start off with a life. That one's stuck. We start off with a life, and uh, we begin to fill it with different things. We say, oh, hey, this, this is great. You know, that, that seems like a worthy thing to put in my life. And, and oh, yeah, this, this, uh, this other thing is important. I'll add that into my life. Uh, and then something happens. We, we come along one thing in particular, and we think, we put that in our life, and we say, man, that's, that's really good. And if one is good, then maybe two is better. And hey, if two is better, then, then let's just go for four. And what we tend to do is we tend to load up our life with uh, one piece of life. We tend to go to the same thing over and over again, and we fill up our life with that one thing, hoping that this will not only make our life full, but that it'll make our life rich. It'll make our life really worth living. Now, uh, if you had to guess what this, what this green piece, I don't know if you can see it with the lighting, what this green piece, repeated four times, represents, what would be your guess? Spirituality? Relationships? Yeah, it's green for a reason. It's, it's money, right? I mean, this, this is money for us. This is money and possessions in our life. More than anything else, this is the thing that we tend to load up on over and over and over again. Imagining that, hey, if one is good, two is better, four is even better. And we try to fill our lives with, with money and possessions, hoping that that will give us a rich life. Now, here's what I know. When a guy like me starts talking about money and possessions, that's when a lot of people tune out. Because you assume that that either I've I've got a chip on my shoulder about money and I've got it out for people who've got money and, and you know I'm, I'm I'm kind of mad about it or something and and you know what I, I think I think in a lot of ways you're probably right that over the years pastors have not been very good about talking about money because so many pastors were broke. Uh, <laughs> They, they weren't being taken care of by their congregations. They were being abused and taken advantage of by their churches. And, uh, and meanwhile, they watch other people living a good life, and they, they're in their family. They're struggling, and the congregation kind of liked it that way because we don't want our pastor to live too well, to be too uppity. And, and I think pastors got a chip on their shoulder, frankly. And so when they started talking about money, it was just like, we're going to let these people have it because they've got money, and I don't, and I'm mad about it. Or I think there's an assumption, as, as guys like me talk about money, that we're so otherworldly, we're so spiritually minded, that we just don't get it, that we don't understand the value of money and possessions of material things in our lives. Let me just tell you, that's not me. I'm not that guy. I've served two churches, and I've been blessed by both of those churches to be pretty well taken care of. I don't have a chip on my shoulder about this thing. Uh, I remember when I graduated from seminary, um, I got my first call to my first church, and uh, it's this weirdest thing. You go to a service, they give you an envelope. In the envelope tells you where your job is, how much you're making. I mean, it's, it's everything. It's just like, here's your life. We figured it out for you. Hope you like it. And, uh, and so they, they, I opened up my envelope and, uh, and I looked at, the, looked at it. And, and meanwhile, some of my other classmates are opening up their envelopes. And, you know, they're all not supposed to be comparing, but we're all comparing. And they're like, oh, my, how much are you making? Because we're all broke. And we're like, how much are you making? Oh, yeah, $35,000. And I opened up my envelope and I was making $50,000. I thought, man, that's awesome. I've got a wife and a kid, $50,000, I can make this work. Now, I did go to school long enough to be a doctor, <laughs> but that was my choice not to do that, and so uh, I was thinking, man, this is, this is great, and that church, they took great, great care of me, and the same has been true here, and, and it's been 14 years since that, that time, and you might not be surprised, I hope you're not surprised to know that I make a little bit more than that now after 14 years of work. And, and so I've, I've been blessed to be part of churches that, that honor my hard work, that want to help me provide for my family. And so I, I just want you to know, I don't, I don't have a chip on my shoulder about this thing. I, I'm not jealous. I'm not upset when it comes to those of you who have more money than I do. I just, it's, it's, it's not that thing for me. It really isn't. I hope you believe me about that. I hope you know that about me. And I'm also not so spiritually minded that I don't understand the real life benefits of material things. I get it. Uh, possessions, money, they add value to my life. We live in a great house. It's filled with nice things. I love being able to take care of my kids and to provide them not only the things that they need, but some of the things that they want. That makes my life richer. So I, so I, I understand. I understand. But here's something else that I've grown to understand that maybe you understand it, maybe you don't. I become keenly aware of the limitations the limitations that come with trying to live life this way, loading up on one piece over and over and over again, trying to make a life this way. I'm aware of the limitations, especially when we're talking about an overemphasis on money and possessions. And I'm aware of the limitations, not because things won't make you happy. See, things do make you happy. That's the trick. They do make you happy. They add value to your life. They just can't make you happy all that happy. They can only make you so happy. And meanwhile, if you spend your whole life chasing after things, you're denying yourself other things that will, that will genuinely make you even happier. See, one thing alone can't make you happy. God has promised us, and this is a promise we're talking about today. God has promised, I will provide all you really need. And we're going to unpack this today, but this is a promise from God that you can take take it to the bank. God has said, I will provide all you really need. And meanwhile, you know what happens? Most of us sit here with plenty of provision on the material front. If we're honest, we know that we have everything that we, we need, by and large, when it comes to material things, possessions, money. And yet, you know what the tragedy is? That most of us leave this promise unclaimed because we don't understand ourselves what we really need to make for a rich life. And see, that's Jesus' concern every time he starts talking about money. We read Jesus so wrong on this whole money thing we, we read him as if, as if money is you know, just a horrible thing, and if you're a good Christian, you won't care about it. That's not what he's saying. His concern is that there is so much more to life than money. It's a part of life, but it's not all of life. And God, meanwhile, longs to provide for you all the things that you need. And we're leaving a lot on the table. So today we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. Uh, if you want to look in your Bible here in the room, page 1044, you can look on the Bible app, go to STGSTL, we've got a nice menu for you, or you can look along right here. These are the words of Jesus. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Now now listen to Jesus here. What, What he's not saying is, food and clothes don't matter. Instead he's saying, life is bigger than this one piece. And if you chase after that one piece and try to fill your life up with that one piece over and over and over again, you're missing something. See, it's not that food and clothes are wrong, it's that life is more than, life is bigger than. A picture of a truly rich life consists of more than just food and clothes. He goes on. He says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn or bank account we could add today, yet God feeds them. And I love this. He says... And how much more valuable you are than those birds? Just pause there for a second. When you think about the birds of the air and you think about how God provides for them. They've got what they need. Jesus says, you know what? They don't worry. It just kind of happens. It works out for them. And then he looks at people and he says, do you realize that you are so much more valuable than birds? Like, God loves the birds. He made the birds. You know, you know, God establishes creation, and he expects us to steward it. It's, you know, he, he, he loves all of his creation. But Jesus is like, you realize that you are more valuable than, than birds in the sight of God? You're the crown of his creation. You're so much more valuable. If he takes care of those things, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? What's the point of it, He says. Since you cannot do this very little thing, you know, add time to your life by worrying. Why do you worry about all the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. The stuff that grows in the ditches, God is clothed with splendor, he says. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Are are you hearing Jesus? Are you you hearing what he's saying? Can you set aside your biases or what you've heard before about this? Can you hear it with fresh ears? See, I think so often when it comes to money, when we hear Jesus talking about this, when we hear God talking about this, this, we come away with the wrong messages. I don't know know why we come away with it, but this is what we we tend to believe. We tend to hear this stuff and we think, Jesus is saying, food and clothes are stupid. All right, that stuff's dumb. Don't care about that stuff. If you care about that stuff, you are petty and unspiritual, right? If if you care about what you wear, if you got up this morning and you didn't just grab the first thing, you know, blindly and put it on, if you actually thought about it, then you are petty and unspiritual. That's that's what we imagine him saying. And yet he says, God clothes the flowers of the field with beauty and splendor. He doesn't have a problem with it. And yet that's what we hear, or we just hear, God hates this stuff. And yet that's not what Jesus is saying. Instead, listen to this promise a He says, and do not set your heart, I think this is important, this is what we're talking about, setting your heart, what what are you setting your heart on? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, just don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. See, what is Jesus saying? Well, he's comparing you to a pagan if you care about those things. No, no, no. What's he saying? He's saying, he's saying you know, the, the clothes, the food, the drink, your father knows you need those things. He, he understands completely that those are important for life, that they add value to your life, that, that you need them, that they're of significance, the Father understands that. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry because the Father, he wants to provide everything that you need. Just, just don't worry about that stuff. The Father, he understands you need that. He's gonna take care of you. But, but he tells us to do something else. He says, but seek his kingdom instead of setting your heart on these things that the Father knows you need that he can provide. He says, but instead seek his kingdom and those things will be given to you as well. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Uh, he's beginning to describe a picture of what makes life really rich. And he calls it the kingdom. And when we hear the kingdom, often we think about heaven someday or we think about the afterlife. But, but you know what the kingdom really is? The kingdom is a different way of, of thinking, of acting, a different way of seeing the world, of seeing life. It's a way that is really rich and full for you and really rich and full for the world around you. And you know what? It's, it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom that I think we catch a glimpse of in those 38 minutes of terror when something happens in life and suddenly we get a different vision of life that is is vibrant, that is richer, is truer. But you know, Jesus doesn't want want us to have to wait for those crises in life. He doesn't want us to have to wait for some fool who pushes the wrong button and makes us all think that we're about to be blown up by North Korea. And He doesn't want us to have to wait for the next medical emergency or he doesn't want us to have to wait for the next hurricane or mudslide or tornado or earthquake in order to catch a vision of what kingdom life really looks like. Jesus wants us to be able to see it to live with a kingdom vision, an accurate vision of what life what the world is really about, a different way of thinking and seeing and acting and treating each other. He wants to live this way every every day. And today I'll tell you what. You can claim a fuller vision of life today. Jesus will show you how to begin to live life with with a kingdom vision, that doesn't require you know, panic and terror and, and, and fear and all the other things that usually trigger a glimpse of that kingdom vision. Jesus can teach us how to live with that every day and, and he's gonna explain it in the next verses. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. It's a tender thing, right? Like, I'm here to care for you, I'm your shepherd. Don't be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. See the first thing Jesus says? The father is Pleased. The father is pleased to give you the kingdom. The father is pleased to provide for you everything that you need. The father is pleased. The father in heaven is not one of those parents who grumbles to all of his friends about the cost of raising kids these days, That's not him. And the father isn't begrudgingly giving us the things that we need because somehow it costs him or, you know, cost him a new car, these dang kids, you know, they're so expensive these days. That's, That's not the father. That's not him. Jesus says the Father is pleased to provide all you really need. That's the first thing you need to claim today. If you want to claim a truly rich life, a vision of a truly rich life, if you want to live it, it it starts with trusting that the Father is pleased. He's pleased to provide. When he sent his son into the world, and he watched Jesus be be treated shamefully, disrespectfully, by us, as he watched Jesus, this, this incredible gift of Jesus be, be, be spat upon and, and beaten and taken to the cross, even then, even then, you know what? He was pleased because he knew that he was giving us something greater. He was giving us reconciliation and redemption and forgiveness and life forever, and he did it. The Father did it. Even though it was grieving to him, he did it. it was grieving watching how Jesus was treated. He did it for us with a smile on his face. He was delighted, he was delighted To provide for us. See that means that we don't have to play games. We don't do this game where we're like. Well if I really need this much. I better ask God for this much. Because I know he's going to half it. Because he doesn't ever want to give me all that I really need. We don't have to play those games. Jesus says the father. He is pleased to provide for you. All that you you really need. He's pleased to do it. He's delighted to do it. Can you trust that today? That God in heaven is not out to deprive you. He's not out to play games with you. He is pleased to provide. Uh, And then uh, Jesus goes on, and this is where, you you have to hold on here. I don't want to lose you here, because this is where it gets a little crazy for us. Uh, Jesus, his next words are, after all that please stuff, he says, Now sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And and we hear that and we think, see, I knew it. You said he was pleased to provide. And now in the very next word, he's saying, I got to sell everything. I've got to give it all to the poor. So I become poor. See, if God had his way, if I listened to what he said, I would be homeless living in a van down by the river. Right? That's what we tend to think. That's what we tend to think. That's not not what Jesus is saying. I know it sounds like it. But that's not what Jesus is saying. See, what Jesus is actually telling us to do is the second thing if we want to claim a truly rich life. And that is to beat the wealth piece back in place. And I choose these words intentionally. Beat. We've got to beat it back into place. Wealth is a powerful gift from God. Possessions are a powerful gift from God if they are kept in their proper place. They can add value to your life. But what happens is they're kind of like this thing with lots of tentacles, and they want to encroach in every part of our life. They want to take over every piece of our life so that our life begins to look like, begins to look like this. Instead of a balanced life that's full of all the different things, it just, it just begins to take over. It just begins to spread like that Asian honeysuckle stuff that's all over my yard, right? And you got to begin to beat it back. you got to begin to beat it back into its place. And in order to do that, in order to beat it back into its place, it takes doing something drastic. And that's where Jesus begins saying this drastic stuff, and I think we don't really understand uh, what what he means by all of that. Um, You know, the selling your possessions and giving to the poor. He's just encouraging us to to do something drastic, because that's what it takes to beat the wealth piece back into its place. And so for some of us, uh, that means that today we can make an intentional decision to say, I'm going to live with less. Uh, Chris Toomey talked about generosity, the power of generosity. I'm going I'm to begin to give more away and live with less because that's a way to get that wealth piece back in its place. Not to divest myself of every good thing. That's, that's a corruption of God's teaching to say that material things are bad and no one should have any of those. But, but it's just a way of saying, hey, if I'm going to get this back in pay, uh, place, so it can be a blessing in my life and I can make room for the other blessings God wants to give in my life, then, then maybe I need to learn to live with less. Or maybe for some of you, drastic action isn't even learning to live with less. Maybe it's just drawing the line and saying no more. Right? We're, we're good where we are. We've got enough and we're not gonna keep adding to our lifestyle, which is drastic in our days, right? Because what else is there to do if you're not moving up to the next house and the better car and the next thing? always, and forever, Maybe drastic action for you is just saying, not, not we need less, but, but just no more. And that, that would be plenty drastic, I think, for a lot of us. My wife and I, that's, that's what we've decided. You know, we, we, uh, we said no more on a bigger house, a, a better house, a more expensive house. We're just not doing it. We have a great house. And, and see, that's the thing. It's not that we're so holy or spiritually minded. We just know that we have a great house. Our house makes us really happy an awesome house. And we could move to a bigger house, a better house, a more expensive house. But, but you know what? It wouldn't make us any happier. In fact, it might make us less happy. It might begin to encroach in other things in life that we know are necessary for a complete full picture of what makes what makes a truly rich life. See, Jesus says, sometimes it takes something drastic Um, So that you can begin to beat this wealth piece back into its place. And then when it gets back into its place, you begin to see the other things in life that you're missing out on. Those other things that the Father is pleased to provide for you. And and that's where the third uh, piece comes in here. Uh, Once you've done these other things, the last thing, the only thing left is to ask the Father for what you really need. And when I think about life, I think there are two things in particular that stand out in my mind just as I know people and as I watch people live and as I hear the pain of people. I think there are two things in particular that we, we consistently fail to ask the Father for that are uh, causing us to live so much less of a full, abundant, rich life than what God wants for us. And those two things are relationships and purpose. Relationships and purpose. Purpose. In fact, not only are we starving for those things, it's often our pursuit of money and possessions that keeps sabotaging our ability to have relationships and purpose. Because uh, we decide that it, we might be happier if we moved over to the next neighborhood, to the bigger houses. And uh, not only do we do that, but we leave behind the people that we've been living next to for how many years? We say goodbye to relationships in order to have more stuff. Or we take a job in a different city, and I have done that. I did that nine years ago. Um, But we take a job in a different city, not because it's going to add some other value to our life, just because it's going to mean more money in the bottom line. And, you know, if you're struggling to feed your family and that's a move you have to make, then I respect that. But if you're feeding your family, if you're providing the baseline need, and, uh, and it's just about more for you, realize what you're doing. You're selling out your need for relationships by moving to some other city where you don't know anyone. For what? For for more green? It's not going to make you happy. That's not a picture of a full life. Same thing is true with purpose. How many of us are working a job that we know isn't, isn't what we were made to do, we weren't created to do? And again, that's what you have to do to feed your family. That's noble, that's right. But so many of us are beyond that and the only reason we stay doing that thing is because it's lucrative. And we think that Having a lucrative job is enough to, to satisfy us, to sustain us, but, but it's, it's not. See, God is p- pleased, God is pleased to provide those other things for you, those other things that will really make your life full. He, he has a vision for your life that is so rich and abundant, and he wants to give you every one of these things. But you've got to see it, and man, it helps to ask for it. See, I'm telling you, asking is life-changing, And I I don't know why I feel kind of embarrassed to to share this with you. Um, There's nothing wrong with it, but I think it's just being a man in this culture, we don't talk this way. But starting a bunch of years ago, um, through some of these things, I, I began to realize that in my life, there was something that was missing. And what was missing, partially because, you know, mandatory introspection is part of my job. I, I have to do it for my job. Uh, and, and what I realized is that part of what I was missing was, was although I had a great wife and I have a great wife, she's awesome, and I have a great uh, family, I got great kids, and I've, I work with great people. I, I began to realize that what I was really longing for, my whole life, I've longed for this is 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 truly a great friend, a best friend, a deep friendship. I, I wanted to. I never. I don't have any brothers. I never experienced this. What it might be like to have uh, another man in my life that I could share life with in a deep, personal way. And I think a lot of us feel that way, frankly. I think it's a need that is in there that we don't acknowledge, and instead we, we try to, you know, ply it with more food and football and new toys and whatever else, and we just try to ignore it, we try to shut it off, and, and I tried all that, but in my life it was this thing that once I saw it, it would not go away. And so I started doing something kind of crazy. I, I started praying all the time. And again, this is where it just kind of feels, it feels like, I don't know, it, it feels sort of embarrassing to say it, but it's true. I began praying every day, deep, heartfelt, hungry prayers that God would give me deep, true friendship. I don't know why that makes me feel like such a loser to say, but it's true. And, I, and so I started praying and I prayed those prayers for years, for years. And you know what? God provided. Our Father's pleased to provide. It took a while, a lot of asking. But you know, as I sit where I sit today, I cannot believe how richly God provided for that need. And and multiple times over, not just a friend, but friends, community around me, people whom I love, people who love me, people with whom I share deep intimacy. And I can tell you that now that I have that, now that I've experienced that thing, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You couldn't double or triple or quadruple my salary. You couldn't tell me to move somewhere else and to start over. I wouldn't do it because I know how rich it has been in my life. The same is true with purpose. I think for a lot of us here, you've consoled yourself with the fact that you make a lot of money. But that's not ever gonna satisfy you, not enough. And so maybe you need to do something drastic so you can begin to see those other things in life that the Father is pleased to give you and so you can begin to start asking for the things that you really need. He promises, he promises to provide. See, see, today, today uh, the question I wanna ask you is, is uh, this. What are you asking God for today? If you think about your life, think about your prayer life, you get up in the morning, at night, uh, when you pray, what is it What is it that you find yourself asking God for? You're praying for daily bread over and over again, the stuff of life. God, provide my daily bread. I need, I need food. I need money. Is that, is that it over and over again? Is that kind of where your heart is? Is that where you've set your heart? Or I think for a lot of us, it's probably about physical health. It's, it's uh, protection and healing and health, protection, healing, health, protection, healing, health. Pray those things over and over again. What is it for you? What is it that you find yourself asking God for over and over and over again? And is, is that the right thing to be asking for? If, if you had an abundance of that thing, and maybe you already have an abundance of that thing, but if you did, would that be enough? Would that be enough to give you a life that is truly rich? See, why not change what you're asking for? You have a father in heaven who is pleased to provide everything that you need. So why not change what you're asking for and allow him to give you the things that will make your life truly rich? In fact, right now, let's, let's ask God for that. Father in heaven, help us believe today that you are pleased to provide, that you are not a God who desires to hold anything back from us. You want fullness and abundance beyond anything that we could ever know. Father, help us to trust, help us to trust you that when we open up our lives to you, when we place our needs in your hands, that, that you're good and you want to provide for us because you're a loving Father like none we've ever known. And Father, today give us the courage to do something drastic, to beat the wealth piece back in its place, to honor it for what it can do and to thank you for it. Father, don't let us go to the other extreme of, of acting like it's it's the scourge of the earth and trying to divest ourselves from it. That's not that's not honoring of what you've given us either. But instead, Father if we need to do something drastic to get that peace back in place, will you show us that and will you give us the courage? Will you give us the next step to either decide to live with less or just to draw a line and say no more? And then, Father, when we do that, will you open up our eyes to what it is that we still lack? Will you show us deep inside of us the thing that we need so desperately that we're longing for that we don't even realize? And then Father, will you give us the courage to ask and then will you provide so that all of us here don't just muddle through a life that is empty, that is painful, that is meaningless so that we don't waste a lot of time living life the wrong way only to have a wake-up call someday and then to try to make it all right. Will you, will, Father, today, will you, will you make today our wake-up call? And begin to give us something that is so rich and full, abundant, that people will look at us and say, man, those are people who are truly alive. Father, will you show us how? Will you lead us? We ask in Jesus. Amen. Hopefully you've had some time to do some introspection, but right now I want you to meditate on these words that we've looked at today. And uh, as you look at these words... Um, what I hope is that you 'll do some reflection and you 'll do some confession about where the pursuits in your life have gone awry and ask God to ask God to help you ask God to direct you